Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Lori. We've always thought that the most compelling story strikes the perfect balance between an honest look at the mess of life and the humor that can be found in the mess. To be perfectly honest, we don't really know how to live life without both the humor and the authenticity. Our podcast might be a little bit of whiplash at times. We can spin from hard and deep to humor and laughing on a dime. The hard will be really hard and the truths we share are the ugliest of humanity. We don't intend to make it seem like it's all fine or to pretty up the pain, but we also know that the joy we found is all the more profound because of the pain. So we hope you can stick with us through the ugly because there will also be joy and hope and humor. Welcome to the ugly truth about the girl next door. Hi, welcome back to our podcast, The Ugly Truth About the Girl Next Door. I'm Kate. And I'm Lori. <laughs> um, so as promised, we are going to talk about um, gathering of the evidence, <laughs> right? Is that the right way to put it? Yeah, it's a gathering of all of the background information yeah. that provides context yeah. to your experiences. Um, as we said in our last episode, we spent several weeks leading up to um, the independent investigation that's going on, um, just gathering documents, pulling things together, um, trying to get, you know, obtain just medical records, police reports. I mean, there's so much out there. Um, and so we just want to kind of talk about that process because it was a process that we learned a lot from. Um, and also one of the most frustrating things I think I've ever done, to be honest with you, was that feeling of like, I'm slamming my head into a wall right now. Like, that's what it feels like. Um, so, okay. Backing up, like we said, have said in a couple episodes, uh, there is an independent investigation going on, um, which so far has been positive. Mm -hmm. Um, we had a lot of feelings going into it. I had a lot of feelings going into it. Um, but it, it was... So it has so far been um, a positive experience. So stay tuned for that, I suppose. Way more positive than I think you could have imagined. And I think that really is important yeah. to say Yeah, um, that there was a lot of validating experiences for you in that yeah. of being believed and being heard by people who actually have some opportunity to help. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, we spent three weeks going into it, doing what we're going to talk about in this episode, um, but just with so much angst and rage and panic, panic and all the things. And then literally like went into this in fight mode, really, like I'm going to prove this. I'm going to, you know, be heard. And then it was like completely disarming and like, I don't need to fight. <laughs> you, you're, you get it. You get it. Yeah. Like it was just this feeling of like, whoa, like, um, and Christiana and I actually told them that when she, um, did her interview with them, we both sat there just baffled and said, you know, this experience of talking to you was not even in our best case scenario. <laughs> like our best case scenario was not this. And this is so far above what we, what we expected. And honestly, in the weeks leading up, I said last episode that I was trying to sort of be the balancing voice to say, okay, but there are indicators here that suggest that they are capable of doing it better than you were afraid they're going to do. Um, so let's just breathe here and see what happens. But I have said that to Kate too many times now. Mm -hmm. I've said that to Kate about the chapel. I've said it to Kate about going to her brother. I've said it to Kate too many times that... Mm, my hopeful demeanor really doesn't hold a lot of water at this point. 
And so that just made it that much more difficult because again, the more people who fail, Kate, the harder it is to believe that it could possibly go right. Yeah. Each new time that there's a failure, I mean, it's really like reliving the whole thing again in that like with each escape attempt, it gets harder and harder to believe that it's going to be possible. Um, That's not different now. Like even though I'm an adult with resources and a podcast and an amazing support system, it's just each time that it doesn't, that it doesn't, that it fails or that people fail, it's just that much harder to get in the ring again, you know? Um, And so this time I felt like I was stepping into the ring throwing punches already. And by the way, this was the time that you were like, I am doing it all the way. Like it's go big or go home. Yeah, it really was. It was like, we're going to, I mean, Christiana and I joked about, we need like a rolling uh, like cork board with like all of the red yarn attaching all the different people and all the different ways and all the different paths. Um, and we're just going to like roll it in, you know, yeah. um, or hand them like a massive binder of information because um, that's how it felt was a do or die kind of situation. Um, so we're happy that, you know, obviously like TBD, I guess still with that, it's still mm-hmm. ongoing, but um, we're happy that our initial experience was really very disarming and very um so much better than we anticipated um but that being said leading up to um that initial interview with them um, was my a s- frenetic bit of energy especially for kate and christiana running <laughs> yeah. all over and Lori just trying to keep us calm <laughs> like okay it's okay breathe <laughs> Uh, no, it was. We were like running on adrenaline. Um, we were trying to get a hold of, like I said, all of the documents. I wanted medical records from all of the different hospitals that I've ever been to, which is a lot. I wanted records from when I lived in Virginia. I wanted police records. I wanted school records. We wanted everything. Um, and that is a ton of work, it turns out. Um, even with literally all three of us doing this and making phone calls and Christiana and I like running to different places, running to Lockport, running to Lewiston, running to all these different places, we still, I mean, it was hours and hours and hours of work of being on the phone, you know, all the things. Um, and frustrating. It's so not just frustrating. Like, it was like, oh, I oh have my 10 gosh. calls to make, but it's, I have to make 10 calls because I keep getting passed off. And each call is telling me I have to call three different places to get the different things. So um, let's start with medical records. So getting medical records, you Even would think, own. yeah, so they're my own medical records. I'm, you know, I don't need to sign a release for myself. I am the patient. I am the person. Um, so you would think that it would be relatively easy. Um it's not uh, for a couple reasons. First of all, I was born in the wrong decade, and so nothing was digital back then. So, you know, they didn't hospitals and doctors' offices didn't switch to electronic medical records till probably somewhere in like the mid, like between two thousand seven two thousand ten timeframe. Um, so it was paper charting. So anybody who knows anything about you know medical offices, paper charting is ugh, it's you know haphazard and bad handwriting and not entirely complete. And by the way, sitting in a file somewhere, not like, oh, I can like just type in the patient's name and it pops yes. up. Yes. Somebody has to go to a box. Exactly. So, you know, a lot of times we would call the hospital, which again, there's multiple hospitals because 
if you are trafficking your child, you can't continuously take her to the same emergency room over and over and over again because somebody might notice that she's been here three months ago for this or she's had a broken, you know, like you can't. So every hospital in Western New York has records. Um, so each time we would call the hospital, there was multiple steps. It was, you know, sometimes you have to fax the release. Sometimes you have to like call and get the release and then you can email it to them. For some of them, we actually had to mail the release. Um, we had to give certain time frames. Like some places wouldn't just release the entire record. It was like, we'll give us a date. And I was like, I don't know. Like I, there's a time frame from 1989 probably all the way till now. So like, yeah, it was just, it was crazy. It was multiple steps. Um, the amount of places that wanted me to write a check for like $5 and mail it to them before they send anything was outrageous. So I mean, literally pay electronically. No. The fact that you have to pay. Okay. No, I that. wrote so many $5 checks. It was, it was literally ridiculous. Uh, a hospital in Virginia actually billed me. They like sent the records, but like didn't send them correctly. And then I thought they were like coming to my house and I saw like in my USPS informed delivery email, like, oh, something from this hospital. It was a bill for like $4 and 50 cents. <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah. And then it's still complicated to get the record. Right. And even then they were saying we can only send it to a hospital in Western York. We can't send it directly to you. And so we, we picked a hospital that was near my house and that was a debacle because they were like, it, it was like addressed to me. So it went nowhere. Like, like <laughs> I still don't know where they are. They mailed them to the hospital and I still don't know. I did do a different release and I ended up getting them emailed to myself. But, um, but it, it took how, I mean, how much, how many oh my calls? gosh, how many oh my times? gosh. We must've talked to the hospital in Virginia and the hospital here that they were supposed to send it to you. If we talked to them once, we talked to them 10 times. I mean, it was just back and forth. I, I swear to God, they stopped calling us back. Like we kept leaving messages and they just stopped calling us back. Cause it was like, we're done dealing with these people. Um, and that was one that was record. one record. Yeah. We're still waiting on several local records. Um, but again, there's all these different things. So not only do you have to sign all these different releases and send them in a different way for each hospital, but each place also has these time frame limits. So for some places, um, New York State only requires that medical facilities keep their records for seven years. Um, but that changes depending on if you were a minor at the time, then it's seven years past the time you're 18. If there was suspected abuse, then it's 25 years past the time you're 18. If it was a certain thing, then it's a certain number. So there's all these different, like, and again, because it's not an easy put the name and it comes up in EMR, a lot of places were not willing to go looking because they were like, oh no, we tried things after seven years. Right. And it was like, okay, but. It might still be in a box <laughs> right. somewhere. Like who who do I find to look for these things? Um, so yeah, even- and Can we talk about the emotional reality oh of gosh. what this is? Because this yeah. is not just a story on TV for no. you. No, yeah. It literally was. I mean, every time we would get one, it was like, like the world stopped. Like it was like this feeling of like, of like hope, like, okay, good. We finally achieved what we've been working so hard to get, but also like here it is in black and white. So, and now the box is open. For <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, the police reports were the same way, you know, just there's, there's these, uh, there's just, it's so much, but, um, 
Okay, so I guess move, let's move on to police reports and then we'll talk about that. So getting police reports, there's apparently different pieces of these reports in different places. So one might think it's easy enough to call, say, the Erie County Sheriff's Office, mail or fax or email, whichever method they prefer, um, a release and which you know year that you're requesting a police report from because you have to know the date. So <laughs> I was doing a lot of math, which we know I don't do. Um, and you would think that they would give you the whole police report, that it would include everything, right? It would include the report. It would include the notes. It would include the narrative. It would include anything that happened after that. You would think that it would have all those things, any medical evidence, any evidence at all, you would think that that would all be in the police report. You would. Wrong. It's not. (laughs) Um, So what we found out is that one place can give you the official report. Um, Another place, usually the the actual detective, um, can give you the narrative because it's basically their notes, which they have to authorize that you get. Another place holds the prosecutor's notes. So like if a prosecutor got involved at all, um, there's those, that's a whole separate thing. Um, Another place holds any log of evidence. So like the actual police report doesn't log the evidence because that's in a different place. Um, And then if there's any kind of medical report that is solely with the hospital or whatever medical facility. So like in some cases it was like Kaleida has that or, you know, whatever. Um, another fun thing about police reports is that when you request them and you ask for the, all of these different pieces, they tell you it could take 21 to 99 business days. <laughs> um, so we are still waiting on some because it's not 99. Right, business days like yet. what is 99 business I don't days? Know, do I, I, well, Christiana actually figured it out because she's amazing. And so she, I think it's like December 6th or something. She's like, I will literally be on top of them. It's not that that wasn't the way she phrased it, but I won't. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, so yeah, it was just like an insane process. And yes, going back to like it opening all the boxes, just that feeling of like here it is in black and white. And also, oh my God, like if we didn't have like I mean, if you were somebody who didn't have support, like if I didn't have a Lori and a Christiana to do this with me, like, would you even do it? Like, I I mean, we say that all the time, but like, if I'm not me, right, if I'm not a, a white middle-class suburban whatever with a support system, if I can't do it, how, like how on earth are, is half the population supposed to do it? Right. Somebody who is more marginalized, who has a lot less resources, who, again, as much as I know, um, the boxes have sometimes been a problem for you. They also allow you to function in the bright world in a way that lets you get stuff done. Yeah. A thousand percent. I mean, so that, right. That is, I guess the, (laughs) there's like a, a, it's a catch 22, right? Because the boxes are, are not good, but also, yeah, like I, I can do all of these things because I can put them in the box. The problem came when we would get the reports and now the boxes are opening because it's all the things it's reading it in black and white. It's looking at the medical evidence. It's 
just being reminded of the experience. I mean, I'm even thinking like to make the list of the places that you were going to go to, to try to mm -hmm. get reports required you to run through the experiences in your head. Yes. Yeah. Boxes open automatically boxes open. Yep. And honestly, it took time to even make that list because I couldn't do that all at once. It was this feeling of like, okay, well, I know for sure that there's this in Lynchburg. So let's start there, you know? Um, and I feel like we're still, we're still kind of making progress on these things. Um, but it shouldn't be this hard, right? No. Why is it so hard? Why is it so hard to get people to do their job, right? Like that's how it feels to me is, I mean, I work in the medical field and I, it blows my mind that just the passiveness of like, okay, like we don't really care because I don't, I'm not that way. So, um, yeah. Right. It, it shouldn't be this hard. It shouldn't be this hard. Um, yeah. So I'm just thinking about, and maybe we cut this because I don't, we didn't agree. We were going to talk about this, but I'm thinking about, you know, deciding that you're going to look for, um, records from hospitals and the like, you know, in, again, in order to make the list of places you're going to go to requires opening some of those boxes. And one box, unfortunately leads to another box that leads to another box that leads to another box. And eventually you're down this rabbit hole that is really, really hard to bob to the surface from. And I'm mixing my metaphors there. Rabbit <laughs> hole. You don't bob to the surface there. Yeah. Okay. Whoops. Um, but that's not the part that I was thinking we hadn't agreed to talk about talking about it's I'm thinking about the report from Liberty. Um, yeah. do you want to talk about sort of what was there? That was like a, oh my gosh, there it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, we can do that. So, um, but I guess while you think about that, how to say that, let me just say, this is a perfect example of why getting the records is so important for Kate. And also for being able to kind of help people understand really what was going on here. Yeah. Because it was right there in black and white. Yeah. I mean, so many of the records were like that, where it was like, it's literally written right here. And we said that in a previous episode of, you know, reading through an old police report where it says father states, father states. So he's the, he's the one making the report. He's the one telling the story. You know, they're not, they wouldn't even let them talk to me, you know, whatever. Um, reading that in black and white is this holy crap moment. And also this like, oh my God, like it's right there. It is like, and that's... it also said right on there that the guy who was the police, the responding officer who was taking your statement was one of your father's friends. Yeah. Which you knew right along, but there I knew was. that, but there it is. Right. That's the name. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's just this feeling of like, oh my God. Um, but with Liberty. Yeah. So I, you know, if you've listened to our college years episode, um, you kind of have a little bit of idea. If you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to it. Cause I'm not gonna like recap that. Um, but you know, things continued when I was living at Liberty and I basically like when I tried to tell someone at Liberty, someone noticed, um, I was told that I, wasn't believed and that fine if this really happened then it was sex outside of marriage and so therefore i was gonna get kicked out of liberty um the public the story that my parents cling to when they try to discredit me has always been well she lied at liberty um and again listen to the college years episode because i i don't really want to go go well, that down. you lied at Liberty and oh, by the way, they allegedly didn't know that anything was a problem at Liberty until they got a call that you were about to be kicked out. Right. Um, so the story, the truth, the the reality is that, you know, 
I was about to get kicked out. Liberty was, I had 30 reps because of an incident because um, they were calling it sex outside of marriage. And then the dean said she was going to call my dad and suddenly I wasn't going to get kicked out. Um, so it makes no sense because the public story doesn't, the public story isn't even, doesn't even hold water. But um, so getting these reports, we, one, got a medical report from uh, from the hospital in Lynchburg. And it states right on there, you know, the police were called, patient left against medical advice, um, very upset, called parents by phone. Um, so right there, the whole statement of we didn't know anything was going on until she was about to get kicked out, garbage. Um, secondly, again, the what really happened is that I was supposed to get kicked out and their, their public story is, well, she almost got kicked out of Liberty. She lied at Liberty. Um, which is true until the Dean called my parents and then suddenly it went away, which makes no sense. So that's not how Liberty allegedly functions. It's like zero tolerance. Oh my God. Yeah. Like it's literally like, I actually went back and read the Liberty way. Did I tell you that when I was way deep down in my rabbit hole, I actually went back and read it and it is like, we will maybe post some of it, but it is very, um, like still in 2022 after they're facing like title nine lawsuits, like it's still bad. (laughs) Like they have not like walked it back. They haven't edited. They haven't like, I mean, it still reads like, yeah. There it is. That's why I was going to get kicked out right there. Um, so maybe we can post that, like mm-hmm. a snippet from yeah. it. But um, yeah, I was pretty pretty down in the rap. Yeah, you were. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, but so that being said, you know, we have this medical record that states that I had called them, that I left against medical advice when the police were called. Again, listen to the college episodes. You'll understand why. Um, but so I reached out to Liberty because the other thing that we've heard is that, you know, well, so-and-so checked with Liberty and they said, you know, what actually happened? It's like, okay, I'm going to check with Liberty and see what actually happened, right? Um, so in my geniusness, I um, I actually didn't call or do that as myself. I don't even know if I told you this. You did, yes. Okay. <laughs> um, I called as if I was doing a background check on, on myself. <laughs> um because I was afraid that they, if I called as myself, that they would just give me some kind of bullshit. And I was not looking for that. I was looking for like, okay, if somebody actually called and was trying to like get the scoop, like what is it that they would hear? What is it that they would get, right? Um, Because I want to see, like I want to see how this gets written because the public story and the real story, they don't mesh and also like reality isn't whatever. So I called pretending to be someone who's doing a background check on Caitlin Cook. And um, I actually made my very own (laughs) release of records that I signed myself. Uh, I had it sent to an email. (laughs) That time it was an email. Yep. Uh, Because, yep, you could send – if you emailed them the release, then they would email you back whatever records there were. Um, And they do not destroy records. I did check that. So it was like, okay, even though it's been, you know, 13 years, 15 years – they don't destroy records. So that wasn't an issue. And I got an email back basically saying that there is no disciplinary record at all, that I am in good standing with Liberty University, um, which was bizarre on so many levels because 
one, the whole public story of, well, she lied at Liberty. Like that's what they're clinging to as like, don't believe her. She lied at Liberty. Liberty's not even saying that. Right. Right. So anybody who's saying like, oh, well, I checked with Liberty, like you didn't, you lied because I checked with Liberty and that's not even what they're saying. Two, they, (laughs) it doesn't make any sense because I did almost get kicked out of Liberty because they were calling it sex before marriage. And that is an absolute no there. And yet there's no record of that, which also makes me think, okay, so that phone call between my dad and the Dean of Women what, what happened? Really right. Like, did they pay it off? Did they donate large amounts of money to the school? Like, how does that work? Right. Where I literally am about to get kicked out of Liberty and there's no record of it. Like that makes no logical sense. No. Um, oh, and by the way, you, something was left for you. I don't, maybe we'll cut this, but something was left for you. Yeah. You can finish it. that. <laughs> Um, well, what was left was a paper that, um, referenced Kate having to being referred for counseling. Yeah. Mandatory counseling at Liberty. Right. So clearly there was, right. Clearly, like I said, go back, listen to the college years episode. Clearly there, what the truth is, is substantiated, you know, by them. Thank you very much for leaving that behind. (laughs) Thank you. Right. And again, who else would have that except, you know them Mm -hmm. um but yeah so it's just been this bizarre rabbit hole of that makes total sense and also discredits their public story and also is like holy crap there it is in black and white um so while this has been an unbelievably frustrating process because again it shouldn't be this hard um it also shouldn't be on you it should not be on the survivor to have to gather their own evidence yeah. Oh my God. Yet, yeah. Here we are. That's a whole other. That's another. <laughs> you want to talk about a rabbit hole? That's yeah. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be, but it is. Um, someone actually told us that sometimes you have to do all the legwork yourself, wrap it nicely in a bow, and hand it to law enforcement. Um, so we're working on that. We're working on that. Yeah. We're, we're working together to gather all the information because, in many ways, it's easier for you. As hard as this is, it's easier for you than for law enforcement to have to gather it all. It actually is. Yeah. It, but it is frustrating, but it is, it has been worth it because it is that feeling of like, it's right there in black and white. Um, yeah, it's been a long few weeks. (laughs) I just keep saying that it's been a really long few weeks. It has been a really long few weeks. I am very, very grateful though, that all of that incredible emotional turmoil resulted in some important progress Mm -hmm. and that the investigative organization actually seems very capable of doing what we need done. Yeah, me too. Honestly, I, yeah, can't say enough about that. Um, yeah, we walked into, I walked into that room in fight mode and I felt very much validated and seen and heard and shocked honestly I, I literally left the interview and I called Christiana and was like girl change of plans <laughs> like uh, they're good and you got to tell them everything because it yeah it was just right yeah game changer for sure yeah game changer so TBD on that still mm-hmm. but um yeah so I guess to sum this up you know I know we said it in the last episode like 
if you need help finding stuff like this, please let us know. <laughs> um, cause it is like unbelievably difficult, but we've learned a lot. So we might be able to help. We might, we might. Okay. Stay tuned. Stay cool, Buffalo. Oh my God. Saying? Stay classy. <laughs>If you or someone you know is stuck in a trafficking situation and needs help, please reach out to the National Human Trafficking Hotline by calling 1-888-373-7888 or text HELP, H-E-L-P, to 233-733.